Welcome back to another edition of the Knoll Sports Podcast. I am your host, Carter Carls. It is Thursday, August 25th, and we are two days away from Florida State football kicking off the season against Duquesne, Saturday, 5 p.m. Eastern at Doak Campbell Stadium. We have a special guest for you guys today. We have Jared Verse joining the show. I had about a 25-minute interview with him on Tuesday, uh, and it, it is really great stuff. Uh, it, I mean, it, it's just definitely the best interview on the whole team. And if, if you don't know who Jared Verse is, I mean, obviously uh, going to be a major player this year. But if you don't know much about his background, really encourage you to listen to this. We kind of explore what it was like for him the last two seasons at the University at Albany, an FCS program, and just sort of his rise since then. This is a guy who didn't have any FBS offers out of high school. He was a tight end in high school, had to do a position switch before everything sort of blew up. So uh, really great stuff. Then after that interview, I'm going to go into the Duquesne game and and kind of preview the, the season a little bit if you want to hang around. Uh, after to listen to that. So uh, without further ado, here is Jared Verse. Okay, I'm here with Jared Verse, transfer from the University of Albany, at Albany actually. I've, I've been corrected on that before. Um, <laughs> defensive end for Florida State, having a big impact this year. Uh, everybody thanks, myself included. And I uh, wanted to do this podcast with you, Jared, just so, you know, fans can kind of get a better knowledge of who you are on the field, off the field, and kind of get a get an impression of what you're going to, you know, give the Seminoles this year. And so I, I guess just the first question for you, you know, you joined the team, I believe, in January. How, how has that transition been for you so far? Well, honestly, it was a quick transition. You know, my teammates made me feel like family. I thought it was going to be like a whole thing, like a long process and everything like that. But I came in, I found the people I like, found the people I hang with. It became an easy transition. It was intense at the beginning, though, because no high expectations. But I feel like I fit into the role very easily. I have to mention, there's one, like I I stumbled across your TikTok one day, (laughs) which you're probably like, oh, gosh, are we really going to talk about this right now? (laughs) But I saw one. Of you and Trey Vincent, <laughs> the napkin one. Yeah, fans will have to check it out. It, I tweeted it out and it like blew up. People thought it was like the funniest thing they ever seen. But it just showed like, yeah, this guy's pretty comfortable. Like he's already making friends. He's like cool with everybody. I mean, having all these transfers. There's 12 other guys on the team that are also new. You got all these newcomers. Has a guy like Trey Benson and Tatum Bethune and those guys, have they kind of helped you, you know, having someone else kind of in your same position? Yeah, honestly, it might have been an easier transition for them just because, you know, they were at FBS programs. But, uh, you know, once I got here, it took me a little bit of time and I started hanging with Trey. Amari made me feel real comfortable because I met Amari before I got here. He uh, made me feel real comfortable. So those are two dudes I hang around a lot. Tatum made me feel real comfortable. I hang around him a lot. Just the whole team kind of made me feel comfortable. But uh, even talking about the TikTok, me and Trey were planning <laughs> on making up like three days beforehand. And we played rock, paper, scissors to see who was going to get their shirt ripped. <laughs> and I, I knew Trey, Trey always go scissors first. He always goes scissors. So I had to throw out that rock real quick. <laughs> he was very deadpan. He, he didn't even like have any emotion in the video. That, I was kind of impressed. He might be an actor one day oh, or no, something. I wish they, I wish Amari uh, was recording. I wish we recorded it for a little longer because Trey's face afterwards was priceless. Like, he looked shocked, but he knew what was happening. <laughs> it, are you going to be active on TikTok in the year? or What are you playing with that? I'll just make TikToks whenever I have time, whenever like a little fun with the guys, whenever I'm just having free time and I got nothing else to do and a little idea pops in my head. I don't, like, I'm not active on it like every week. You're not going to get a post every day. <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. And, and I want to talk about your, I guess, early days uh, back in high school in Pittsburgh or, you know, in the Pennsylvania area. I don't know if it was in Pittsburgh. But um, what stands out, obviously, is just sort of your rise, right? Not having any, you know, FBS offers out of high school. But also, you were at a different position. You were a tight end. Um, and just talking about playing tight end in high school, what, how do you feel like that's kind of helped you become a defensive end? Does it does it help you kind of 
playing offense and, and knowing kind of what those guys are doing? Yeah, it was a uh, like my head coach in high school was kind of an offensive coach. Like he was our coordinator, he chose all the plays and everything like that. You know, kind of like a typical high school. So I kind of understand like the mindset of a standard offensive player. Like an elite player, I wasn't an elite offensive player in high school. I was good, but I wasn't like I wasn't like yeah. Cam McDonald. You know what <laughs> I mean? I wasn't like that at tight end. So I kind of understand like the basics of tight end, the footwork, how like they lean on each stance, when they're gonna release, when they're gonna pass, and each play is different. But that kind of gave me a little advantage, a little edge going into college. Yeah. Even at Albany, I kind of realized that quick, like, oh, he's standing like this, or his hand's set this way, he's about to release this way. You never played D-line for Albany, right? No, I played in, like, middle school. Middle school, <laughs> yeah. But then they approach you. I don't know if at that time you're like, no, nah, I'm going to be a tight end, man. Like, that, I like offense. I like catching touchdowns. Or was it, like, when they approach you, you're like, you know what? Yeah, I mean, let's just see. I mean, there. This is a school offering me a, to play for them. Like, let's let's try it out. What was your mindset there? So honestly, I was kind of a player in high school where if you, wherever you put me, I was going to do. Like, yeah. coach had me at tight end. He had me at wide receiver. He put me in that like a couple spots here and there. I was kind of wherever you put me, coach, I'll do whatever. My dad always told me though, you know, I'm a defensive end. Yeah. I was like, all right, I, I can see myself there too. Um, Albany came up to me the one day, and I was recruit, getting recruited for tight end by a lot of schools. But Albany came up to me, offered me, and they were like, we want you here. We just want you here. Like, whatever you choose, you can be tight end, you can be defensive end. It's your choice. And they asked me. I told Coach, I said, Coach Cattuso, I said, Coach, I want to be a defensive end. So then from there, I just started working with uh, Coach Nessel, getting better and better, and he kind of gave me the whole foundation of who I am. Yeah. And I read that, you know, you, I believe you redshirted your first year, 2019, and then, you know, the pandemic hits, and for a lot of kids, it was either good or bad. Some kids didn't have access to equipment, or maybe they get lazy, eating a bunch of Cheetos on the couch, that kind of thing. But you, I read that you gained 40 pounds that offseason, and you had this specific diet, I think 5,000 calories a day. I mean, I probably do that with the McDonald's I eat, <laughs> but I mean, you, I would have to imagine you did it in a really strategic way. I'm wondering just what that whole process was like. So my dad, he's, my dad's a really fit guy. Yeah. Like he knows a lot about that stuff. He's like, like he's extremely fit. Like if I look, my dad's about 52, 53, 52. Mm-hmm. If I look like him when I'm 52, I'll be happy. <laughs> uh, me and him, like I talked to him one day, I was like, like, dad, like, what do I kind of do to get better? Like, I'm going to take advantage of this. He just told me, like, you got to eat more, all this stuff. And I talked to my coach before I left Albany. They were like, you're going to leave because I opted out. If you're going to leave, make sure you, like, eat more and everything like that. So I was eating, like, about three, about four or five meals a day. I was working out two, three times a day. And, like, I just came back a whole new person. I didn't even really notice it until one day my dad was like, you got big. I was like, what? He's like, you got big. Like, I look at the mail, I'm like, right, I, got, I got a little big. <laughs> So your dad, I got I to gotta ask now, because him being that bigger dude, growing up, was he bowling you out in the driveway? You know, what was, what was it like growing up with a guy who was pretty fit and athletic, probably teaching you the game, football and stuff like that? So that was uh, when I first started, like, working out a lot. It was probably late elementary school, uh, early middle school, when I started, like, trying to work out more than other kids were. My dad would go to the gym, and I'd go with him. And I'd be seeing him bench. Like, he's, like, 40-something years old, benching 405. Like, it's nothing. <sighs> I'm looking at him like, I'm going to do that one day. I remember I used to tell him, I'm like, I'm going to do that one day. I remember the first time trying to bench the bar, I couldn't even get it off. I was like a little kid. I couldn't even get it off. I'm like trying to, he's like spotting me, lifting it up, smiling. I'm like, it's not funny. Like, <laughs> So did you guys have like a gym in the house, like in the garage or something like that? So my dad, uh, when quarantine hit, he uh, looked online and found somebody selling weights. And he went and bought, a, I think it was a one tw- two 120s, 250s, a uh, bench, a mat and a couple other things like some jump ropes and some stuff for us to like do like a little right. garage workout. And then you know you obviously blow up after that, right? You, you have the the two great seasons, and I believe you were you were uh, you know offered by a ton of FAS schools, and uh, the the four schools I read that you you visited, I believe last December were Syracuse, Houston, Florida State, and Tennessee. Yes, sir. I believe. So what were the what was that process like? What were you kind of looking for? Uh, in your future school, um, I, I imagine it was it was quite the whirlwind. You didn't go through this in high school, this yeah. kind of recruiting process. So what was that like, and what were you kind of looking for? Uh, honestly, my dad told me before I entered the portal, he said, you had a good season, you're going to blow up. Like, my dad kind of warned me about it. He was like, make sure you stay humble through the whole process. And it was very humbling, you know, seeing the hard work actually do pay off, like as much work I put into it. 
it came back in, you know, in a good way. But uh, through it all, I was trying to like stay calm. Like my parents, my family, I leaned on them a lot to get their opinions on it. Like we, like I've said multiple times, we had like a whole war room set up. Like we had posters on the wall from every school. They pros, cons, like good things, bad things, last bowl games, players, everything about them. Like we had, like I knew these teams better than they knew themselves. Yeah. Like their schemes, everything. But um, we just like went through that and like finding, kind of trying to find the right fit. What coaches I could have a good connection with. Coach JP, I have a great connection with him. The head coach, obviously, he's like our figure, like Coach Novell, he represents the whole team, and I'm very happy with that. He's an amazing person, enthusiastic. He's always smiling. Like, I don't, I don't think I've ever seen him frown. Like, I'm just, it's just weird. He's always happy. Like, even when he's, like, yelling at you, he's still smiling. I'm like, what? Like, like, this is weird. But, like, I was just looking for a place where I feel like I fit in. Amari Gannon, he was a big uh, reason I came here, him and uh, Derek McClendon. You know, I talked to both of them on the phone before I came here, and I was speaking to them, and it just, like, seemed like they wanted me here. They were like, Derek's at the end. Like, he still wanted me here, you know, just to make him better. We compete against each other in practice. Like, he just... We feed off each other. So I was just looking for a place where I feel like I belong. And I felt like Florida State was the perfect place for me. Right, right. And I know Florida State, the way they discovered you was, I believe they were preparing for Clemson last season. And they were looking at the film and they're saying, who the heck is this guy just absolutely destroying their offensive tackles? Uh, and, uh, you know, so after that, I believe they reached out to you and, and that's where it all kind of picked up. But what were they telling you about Hey, this is what your role is going to look like. This is who we think you could become, that kind of thing. Yeah, so it was, uh, it was a Syracuse game, and they, were, they kind of told me about it, like, how they saw it. They watched me play, and they were like, you just kept calling, causing disruption. And they felt like, like they told me they, they didn't expect me to fill like, Jermaine's role. They didn't expect me to fill Kia Thomas's role. I'm a whole different player from those two. They're both amazing players, and we, both have, like, we all have our different skill sets. No one's like them. No one's like me. No one's like D-Mac. No one's like any of those people. Yeah. They told me they just wanted me to come in and give my best, do what I do best. I did that. I showed them what my skill set was. They got to see it in person. And now we got to the point where we're at today. You know, it's a whole different like thing watching one person on film and then having them actually come out to your field and yeah. practice against your team, your players, and see what they can actually do. You mentioned Jermaine, and he's someone who, he's only here a year, but... He's really made Florida State a big part of his identity. I saw him at a softball game back in like May or June. Um, he he's he's coming back. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he was at a game during a bye week this season. And I know you had a chance to talk with him during that process. I believe like in December, January ish. What was he telling you? What were you kind of impressions? What did you take away from that conversation? Honestly, Jermaine. If I had to choose one reason, the biggest reason I came here, it was because of Jermaine. Not because of his success on the field, not because he was a, a future at the time he was a future first round pick. Yeah. Not anything about that, like not anything he did football wise. It was we sat down. I came for my uh, team dinner. I sat down. Jermaine came to the dinner. And he sat next to me. He said, "Hey, I'm gonna be honest with you." So what's up? It was like one of the first things he said to me. He's like, "I don't care if you come here or not. It doesn't matter to me. I'm <laughs> gone. Like I'm leaving." I said, "Yeah." He's like, "But I'm gonna tell you my good experiences, my bad experiences. I'm gonna tell you what I think about this place." as your decision to do what you want with that information. I'm not going to sell you an image or anything like that because I feel like a lot of coaches and recruiting do that. Even when they have players, they're like, hey, get him here. He didn't do that. He said, I'm going to tell you what I liked and what I didn't like. And he told me exactly what he liked and what he didn't like. He told me yeah. everything he went through, his trials, his tribulations. He told me what he expected me to go through if I came here. And he just told me the truth. He didn't lie to me at all. Like He was a genuine person. That's why I have a very high respect for Jermaine. Very high because he didn't. Try to sell me a dream at all. He told me the facts, the truth, and that's it. So then you get to Florida State. You enroll. You enroll in January. You you play spring football, and um, I don't know if there was any doubt at all of like, all right, well, I'm FCS coming to Power Five. Like, how is this gonna go? Was there kind of a moment where it's like, okay, yeah, I I really belong, or or did you feel like right away it just sort of clicked? I before I even got here, I kind of felt like. You know, I know no one works as hard as me. My hard work paid off to get me all these offers. It's going to pay off even farther than that if I just continue to do what I was doing. I continued doing it. I got here. Not one time did I doubt would my skills be enough or anything like that. It was just I knew I had to prove myself. You know, I'm still from the FCS coming up a level. A, level. a lot of people are doubting me. Even now, going into the games, they're going, oh, he might not be able to do this or be able to do that. It's just I have to prove to myself mainly that my skills can translate to any level. Right, right. And then 
truthfully, like, you know, this has been my first off season and we've, we've been able to go to a lot of spring practices, preseason camp, and we're, you know, we get to see everything and we get to see, you know, the good, the bad. And what we really get to see out of you is just how much energy you bring to the defensive line. I mean, that can come in the form of just trash talking. It can be the celebrations after a big play, but it really seems to just, everybody feeds off of it right in a really good positive way where does that kind of energy come from and uh, like just how, how much fun do you have playing the game of football oh i love the game of football like that's the one thing i've always promised myself that if i ever had a love for it then i'd like stop but i don't see myself ever doing that i love this game way too much i like this game's always been with me it's always been something that i've I smile, think about, like, I'm smiling right now, just thinking about, <laughs> like, just being on that field, like, we're having practice out there, I'm sweating, it's hot outside, I'm drenched this way, everybody's hot, and I'm over there smiling, like, my teammates probably think I'm crazy, like, I'm smiling <laughs> at the most random moments, Now I love the game of football, but the, honestly, the energy comes from, I give it, it, I feed off the defensive line, too, I feed off Fabian the most, like, he's always, he always has the energy, I know there's no way he always has the energy, like, he's got to fake it at some point, but, like, I feed off him, and I just, I'm very loud and vocal with my energy. Like, that's how I am. Some people are just quiet with it. I'm loud and vocal. I'm clapping. I'm in people's faces. I, I feed off Derek, like, D-Mag, me and him, like, we'll start getting into it, just laughing, joking, the old line Me and them will start getting into it. Like, I just feed off everyone. It's just once I feed off them, I kind of get loud and vocal and try to get others to feed off me also. Yeah. What is your favorite part about football? Honestly, it's the brotherhood of it all. Like, besides... The fact that you just get to bond with everyone, you really get to create brothers for life. But if I was to take away that one thing, it's the, it's the game, it's the competition. Like you spend months thinking about one other team, one other person, one whole season, and you finally get to go out there and do whatever you want. Like go crazy, go obviously within the scheme, but you know, go crazy, go have fun, get to show off your full athletic prowess, everything you've worked hard for. Like everyone loves to show off the things they worked hard for, whether it's a parent showing off their kid, or, you know, you're showing off a good grade to your friends or your girlfriend. Like, we get to show off our hard work every day. And something your coach, Mike Norvell, has been saying lately is this team's starting to get kind of irritable, right? Like, going up against the same jersey the same day, same color jersey the same day, 20 preseason practices, and obviously now it's game week. Just what are you looking the most forward to this coming season? And, and just, yeah, how excited are you about that? I'm just excited to go up against, you know, obviously people that aren't my team. You know, going up against them every day, you learn their tendencies, you learn what works against them, you learn what doesn't. That's how we adapt against each other. That's how you become better players. But I'm very focused and, like, excited to go up against somebody I don't know. Like, I get to watch them on film. I get to learn who, who they was, how they play, and all that. But watch somebody on film and going up against them, lining up against that person is a whole different thing. Yeah. I can't wait for this Friday or the Saturday, Saturday after, Sunday, Saturday, whatever. I can't wait with all these games and just play. Like, go up against somebody that I don't know. I don't know how they play. I don't know what they do. And then actually, like, fully see what my skills can actually do. But, like, versus going against the same team every day where they know my weaknesses and my strengths. What do you – has there been anything you've identified as maybe your biggest areas of growth, some things you're looking to either show this season, like kind of prove about yourself, or – things that you want to kind of grow as the season progresses? I, I would love to work on my pass rush a little more. Like, it's, I feel like it's very good right now. But obviously, you can always grow more. The thing I feel like that's grown the most, and I have to thank Coach Odell and Coach JP for this one, is my, like, my fundamentals. You know, my footsteps, the way I move. I've been not false stepping as much. I've calmed down a little bit on that. My decision-making has gone up a lot. I feel like I have to owe that to them, though. They've, like, increased my fundamentals, my basics tenfold like when I came here it wasn't even like let's get into the advanced stuff it was like here's the basics we all work our way up I'm so thankful they did that so talking about individual goals I I asked Derek McClendon and Akeem Dent their individual goals this season Akeem said he wants to have double digit interceptions which is like whoa okay <laughs> uh and I think Derek McClendon was talking about yeah I want to be the best DN in the country and it was just like well, okay yeah these are great goals to have I'm wondering what what your goal is Honestly, I feel like my goal, to simply put it, is to be the best me. I want to go out there, I want to be the fastest version of me, the strongest version of me, the most destructive, bothersome version of me. Because if I'm that, it's simple. Everything else is going to come with it. I'm going to get the, oh, he's the best defensive end. I'm going to get the amount of sacks I want and the amount of sacks I need. I'm going to get the tackles, the TFLs. I'm going to get all the attention that I want, that I seek. But... 
for that to happen, I have to be the best version of me. So every day I go out there, that's just my goal. Whether it's in practice or whether it's going to be Saturday where I'm just going out there, my goal is just to be the best me. And it's going to simple. Everything else is going to come. You mentioned Fabian. You mentioned Derek. There are obviously a lot of great guys on this defensive line. Uh, and we talked to Jordan Travis the other day, and he said, I think this could be the best defensive line we play all year. And that, that just kind of like – just being the average guy, you're just kind of like, wow, okay. Because y'all are playing some pretty good D-lines this year. Wondering where you, your expectations are for this group, what you guys think you're capable of. Like, I, I know a lot of people are saying this, but I truly believe this. The sky's the limit. You know, when you put in Fabian in there, when you put in Coop, Coop is just insanely strong. First of all, like Coop's one of the first people I've ever met just purely stronger than me on every aspect. <laughs> you throw in JJ in there. You throw in Josh Farmer. You can talk about... The defensive ends, Pat, talk about Byron, you could talk about Leonard, Dennis, DMAC, like just everyone across the board is a great player. Like any one of, of those people I just named could start and we could still have an amazing defensive line on the field. Like we all have different skill sets and everything, but I feel like that's what makes us so great. Like these guys are just fundamentally perfect. They're strong, they're all strong, they're all fast, they're all quick, like Honestly, the best defensive, there's the best group of defensive linemen I've been surrounded by where I'm like, you don't know who's going to get there first. You don't know who's going to get to the quarterback first. Yeah. Like, you can be the best pass rusher, you don't know if you're going to get there first, though. <laughs> when, are you, when is Robert Cooper going to win a race against Mike? When, when, when's it going to happen? I feel like he's won maybe one, before, you know, before <laughs> he practice. The, he did get the one. He did get the one. Yeah. Honestly, I'm thinking I might uh, start lead blocking for Coop. Like, <laughs> let's get that win. We need another win under our belt. <laughs> He needs one, man. He needs one. Um, so, you know, you've been able to watch the offense, the offensive line. Any any sort of impressions about that group that, that kind of stand out to you? Yeah. Honestly, like, I, I want to talk about Julian for a second. Yeah. From a freshman coming in there, he's coming up against – he's going up against me. He's going up against D-Mac, Dennis. We've all been in college three, four-plus years. And he's doing very well. Like, he is one of the best, deep, like, offensive linemen I've seen just off – pure athleticism like he doesn't know like the correct the perfect technique or anything like that and that's just because he's a freshman but he's just pure purely good like I can't wait to see him in the future honestly Brian early oh no not Brian early uh early though he's looking really Jay, good yeah yeah he is looking really good like his run blocking is crazy now I'm talking about bless I can talk about Rob like those two are insanely good they iron sharpens iron and they've been making me better every day like, I, honestly, I feel like the whole offensive line has just gotten so much better since I've been here, at least that I've seen. And I don't see that growth stopping anytime soon. I want to ask about the Syracuse game because I, that, I don't know if that's kind of like a homecoming for you at all. Being <laughs> in New York, like, what? have you thought about that at all? I have a couple friends that want to come out in there and see me play and everything like that. Well, honestly, to me, it's just kind of another game. You know, I, I try to focus on every game. I don't try to make any game like, right. oh, like even rivalries. I don't, I'm not trying to see any rivalries as – Oh, this is too much more important than this game. You know, every yeah. game is important. Every game takes a lot. But uh, it's going to be fun to go back. It's going to be yeah. fun to go back yeah. there. No, I meant more like are, are there going to be a lot of family and friends there? Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. Yeah, yeah. that would be awesome. Uh, most definitely. Back up in New York, back up in the North. Have to. <laughs> so season coming this Saturday. I mean, what's your kind of approach for this first game? Are you – is it different than any other game in, in terms of like – how you're going to try to take it all in? Because, I mean, this is your first game here. I'm wondering just anything different about the routine and just maybe having more family there or anything like that. Honestly, I'm just going to take it one step at a time, you know, get dressed for the game, go out there, warm up, go back in the locker room, then we go out. I want to say it's not going to be different than when I was back in New York. I want to say I'm going to approach it the same way. But I know once I go out there and I hear everybody screaming and yelling, I know it's going to be like like a euphoric moment. I'm going to be like, whoa, like <laughs> – you, we've seen how, how just maniacal you can get in practices when it comes to <laughs> celebrations and, and dapping up guys, things like that. What can fans expect in the game when you make a sack, when you get a tackle for a loss? I, I just can't imagine you're just going to walk right back to the, the line. I imagine you're going to want to show your celebration a little bit. You know, I can't even say it. It's like an in-the-moment thing. Like, I never planned anything preemptively. But if I get, like, a big sack, you'll hear, see me scream. You'll see me yell. I'll probably look at Fabian or I'll look at Cooper, whoever's on the field with me, D-Mac, Dennis, whoever's on the field. I'll look at them and I'll, like, look at them to hype me up, scream at them, yell at them, dap them up, yell, jump into each other. But it's kind of an in-the-moment thing. 
know, anything too crazy, I'll take it to the sideline so it's no penalty. But yeah. for the most part, it's, it's kind of in the moment. Well, Jared, this has been awesome, man. Uh, looking forward to watching you this season. Appreciate you joining me and uh, looking, looking forward to some more TikToks, man. <laughs> <laughs> I need to get back on it. <laughs> okay, thanks again to Jared Verse for joining the podcast. And uh, really enjoyed just getting to know him a little bit better. Really enjoyed that interview and think he will have a pretty good season uh, at Florida State this season. So um, I, I want to just talk about a couple more things before before wrapping the podcast up. Uh, first, first Duquesne. Um, I, I don't want to spend too much time talking about them. I, I'm not expecting a particularly close game which uh, Florida State fans should love to hear after the Jacksonville State disaster last year. Florida State's just much more equipped uh, this season, and they're just a better team, uh, and they're not going to overlook an inferior opponent like Duquesne. Uh, These coaches won't allow them to after what happened last year. And with it being game one, I think that that's another element to it, too. I mean, these guys, uh, Mike Norvell's been been talking about how this team's been irritable. They're, they're just ready to play. So um, I mean, I'm predicting a 41-7 to uh, result. I know the line, the betting line was about 34-and-a-half favoring Florida State. 34-and-a-half. So, yeah, right on cue with the prediction. Um, and I think really just the key for Florida State – this game, really the, the, the couple keys, it's just don't mess around. Don't fool around. Last year what happened with Jacksonville State was you, you, they, they fooled around a little bit with the quarterback. They had two three and outs in their first four drives. They didn't score until midway through the second quarter. And when you're just messing around and, and not putting it to an inferior, inferior opponent, the more belief – that they feel it's just not only does the superior team get all anxious and kind of clam up, but the inferior team has this belief and they start to play inspiring. And you saw a little bit that last year. And so you don't want to fool around, just dominate from start to finish, not just because that's the better thing to do, but also if you can build a good enough lead you can rest your starters in at least the fourth quarter and maybe for a lot of the, the, the second half if you build a good enough lead. And Florida State wants to do that because um, you want to avoid as many injuries as possible. When you've got two huge games coming up with LSU and Louisville, you want to be as healthy as possible. And in preseason camp, they had enough injuries – to where you really thought, man, okay, they they can't they can't have any more <laughs> than what they have now. You, you look at the center position. They lost Caden Lyles to a season-ending injury, the transfer from Wisconsin. Then they lost Marie Smith, and Mike Norvell announced Monday he will be out against Duquesne. Uh, we don't know when he will return, uh, according to Florida State. They they have not kind of disclosed that yet. Um, and so, in the meantime, Darius Washington will be the starting center. Uh, this is a, a kid who's played left tackle, right tackle, right guard, played some center last year, very versatile. I think the key for him will, will mostly be, can he snap the football? And I, I, honestly, if there's one thing you watch in this Duquesne game is, can this guy snap the football? We've watched him in practice. I think he's a great player. Uh, he started more games at FSU than any other lineman at FSU. But snapping is not something you can just pick up overnight. And this is someone who this month was moved to center. And so, as you could expect, some snapping issues, uh, low snaps, high snaps, all, all that you can kind of imagine. And so... Nailing that down would be important because if, if he does indeed start against LSU and even Louisville, you're going to need that to not be a problem, obviously. 
So that's something to watch. Um, I mentioned just just start fast, dominate. Um, I think I really believe this team is going to bowl game. They're going to have their first winning record since 2017. But this first game is is a litmus test of, okay, are you going to take care of business? Like, are you guys truly a team that will beat on the bad teams and not mess around? That It's a great litmus test. So we'll see. Um, we'll, we'll learn more about this team for sure, even if it's a blowout. I think, you know, you learn things about, okay, this offensive line, we got a couple questions here with the group. Can Florida State, like we, we think that this group is better up front, but just how better? Same thing can be said with the running back group. Same thing can be said with the ride receiver group. And same thing with the quarterback group with Jordan Travis in particular. Really the offense is what is the biggest question to me heading into the season. Um, they add Trey Benson at running back and – from what we've seen in practice, I think he's the best running back on the roster. But Lawrence Toffoli at the very end of camp made a late run, and Mike Norvell sang his praises almost every day. Made it seem like, man, okay, I for a while I thought Trey Benson would lead this team in rushing yards. Now it could be Lawrence Toffoli. We know that those two and Trayshawn Ward will be heavily involved. But who is going to be that top guy? To me, the question is, is it Benson or Toa Feely? I'm going to be very curious to see how those reps are divided up this Saturday. Uh, wide receiver, we've, we've, we've talked about just how that room has grown this year. They've added, you know, four transfers. Unfortunately, Winston Wright not available with his injury that he suffered and a car accident back in March. But the other three guys you feel very good about. Deuce Span came on late in the, late in the preseason. Um, late in the offseason, I should say, during the preseasons when he really came on. Micah Pittman has been one of the top guys. And really the guy worth just singling out ahead of everybody is Johnny Wilson. Uh, he's a guy that I think not only can get to that 400-yard receiving mark that Florida State hasn't had since 2019, I think he can double that total. I truly believe, just from what I've seen in practice, this is a receiver that can have 800 yards receiving this year. I'm I'm not going to go as far as 1,000 yards. Um, I still have some concerns with his consistency, and the drops, I think drops will be a problem for him this year. But 800 yards is attainable, especially with the way that Jordan Travis has played. And that leads into my next point. George Tra- Jordan Travis came into the offseason as the submitted quarterback. Uh, the first time Florida State hasn't had a quarterback battle since 2014. Uh, or, or Yeah, 20, 2013, 2014. That, yeah, 2014, the second year under Jameis Winston. So, um, been quite some time, and I think what you've seen is just a more confident, decisive decision maker. Um, we've seen a guy who is more willing to take shots downfield, more willing to, you know, test defensive backs and one-on-one situations. Really using uh, every area of the field, um, and we have not seen. Too much live action um, in practice in terms of, like, obviously Jordan Travis isn't getting tackled. Um, but we, we have seen enough to know, okay, this is someone who's more confident in the, pack, in the pocket. He's not going to just use his legs all the time like he had maybe in the past. So, um, again, just wanted to single out the offense a little bit because I think every position group, Took a step forward, but just how much, just how much better is it going to be? I think that's what the unknown is. And there's obviously various factors with that. Trey Benson, we know that he's the most explosive back on the team. We know that he's the most complete back on the team. But is he durable? Is he someone that can, you know, uh, handle a big workload? 
Johnny Wilson. We know that this guy in practice is the most dominant receiver on the team. But can he do it on a game-to-game basis? Can he do it for a three-month stretch? Is he consistent enough? And will drops be a problem for him? And, and then obviously with Jordan Travis, we know that he has improved. We saw what happened in the last seven games he played in last season. He had 17 total touch, touchdowns, two interceptions, really finished the year strong. Will that carry over? I think so. But those bigger games, those bigger defenses, how will he fare? We're going to find that out. And a lot of it will depend on how much better this wide receiving core is. Defensive side of the ball, just to wrap that up, I think the strength is that there's not many glaring weaknesses on the defense. Uh, I think they feel really good about all three levels. And I think maybe the only question will be at defensive end, replacing Keir Thomas, Jermaine Johnson. That's, that's, that's the problem. It's like you, you lose a guy like Jermaine Johnson, you're probably going to be worse as a defense. But they returned enough guys, and they feel good about every level. And they added, you know, some transfers like Tatum Bethune. That the defense does have a chance to be—I don't want to say better, but I mean it could happen. I wouldn't be surprised. It's just they're not going to have that Jermaine Johnson-like player. They're not going to have an ACC Defensive Player of the Year caliber player. The closest guy to it will be Jamie Robinson, a first-team All-ACC safety last year. One heck of a player, and I think you'll see his role expand this year just in how Florida State's able to use him. Uh, And I I think that that he will have another special year. But again, yeah, just don't know if if there's going to be another guy who's going to be at that level. I think Tatum Bethune. Just predicting this season, I think he'll lead the team in tackles. Uh, had over 100 tackles last season at UCF. Has really looked the part at linebacker this preseason and in the spring. Uh, so that's that's just sort of a quick wrap-up of what I saw from preseason camp. Kicking game, very concerned. I don't know how the field goal kicking is going to be this year just from what we've seen in practice, hasn't really inspired a lot of confidence. I do think the return game will be much better. Micah Pittman will probably be returning punts and uh, and kickoffs. You're going to see guys like Span and Sam McCall. Uh, I think both of those areas will uh, take a step forward this season. And so really just to, to go into the season – I think a lot of people predict this is a, a bowl, a, a, a team that makes the bowl game, a team that will probably go above 500. And so when I looked at the schedule, I think the thing that, that jumped out to me was the amount of coin flip games and just how crucial the first three games are going to be. Duquesne, LSU, Louisville. Um, and... The thing that I also took away was even if they start that three-game stretch one and two, they have the ability to recover from that. Uh, And I think they have the ability to have a strong finish to the season like they did last year. So they they have so many coin flip games in there that it's, it's very, very possible that they can have a Weak start, strong finish, strong start, weak finish. There's a lot of variables in there. And so I think it's going to be a 7-5 and five year. I tried to kind of even it out because I think there's enough games where they could win, enough games where they could lose. So I, I kind of split it down the middle. The, the games that I thought were kind of toss-uppy were LSU, Louisville, Wake, For- Wake Forest, um, and Florida. And in those games, I've got Florida State losing to LSU, losing to Louisville, beating Wake Forest, and beating Florida. So that's two and two right there. 
Um, and going through the schedule, just I'll, I'll start at the top, kind of game by game, predicting a 7-5 and five finish, which I think will be great for this program to just kind of um, improve two wins each season. You win three games, 2020, five games last year, seven games this year. You'd hope that that incline would continue, and I think 7-5 and five is good enough to feel optimistic about the direction this program's heading, and you pick up another game and uh, pick up another win in a bowl game. A five years is pretty dang good considering where Mike Norvell inherited this program two years ago. And so, you know, without further ado, just looking at the schedule, Duquesne, I predict a win, forty-one-seven. Uh, pretty straightforward there. LSU. Told you guys, I'm thinking a loss. I, I do think Florida State's going to be amped up for that game. They're going to have 30,000 fans in the crowd. Uh, sold out their ticket allotment a couple months back. Obviously a highly anticipated game. Um, I don't think Florida State's going to get embarrassed or anything like that. I think this will be a pretty close game. But LSU just has a way too talented defensive line and wide receiving core for me to feel confident about this game. Um, defensive line, I'm, I'm particularly nervous about if, if I'm Florida State just because of where they're at on the offensive line right now. Going to Louisville, they will have a bye week before that Friday night game at Louisville. This was way more 50-50 to me than LSU. If I were to predict, like, percentages-wise, I'd say LSU has... Uh, probably at least a 60% chance. I'd probably put 65% on it. Louisville is much more 50-50 in my mind. I'm giving Louisville the edge just because I, I like Malik Cunningham. I don't think he's like just incredible like some people do. Um, I feel like he's been a little overhyped this offseason, but I, I do expect him to have a, a pretty good season. And with it being at Louisville... Um, I just I, I just don't see Florida State coming out on top of the end, but I do think it being think think it will be pretty close. Then they'll come back home, play Boston College. Um, I think some Florida State fans and, and media, they think this is just a gimme. Um, I'd say out of the games considered to be a gimme. Um, Duquesne, Boston College, Georgia Tech, Syracuse, Louisiana Lafayette. Um, out of all those games, I'd say Boston College is the least gimme just because, you know, I like Phil Dracovic. I like Zay Flowers. They're good enough to, to make it not a blowout. I do think Florida State ultimately comes back up, comes out on top, but you don't want to overlook that team. It's not going to be a, a 30 point win or anything like that. Wake Forest the next week, really, really interesting here. October 1st, at this point, it had been about, oh, two months, month and a half since Sam Hartman announced that he was going to step away for a little bit from football with uh, a non-football-related health concern is what, what he called it. And will he be back in time for this game? I... I don't know. I mean, I I truly don't know, and I don't think um, it's been reported really anywhere what the timetable looks like. And so just looking at this game, I think it's early enough on the schedule where you've got to feel good about um, Florida State's chances of um, winning the game. Because I, I don't know, like Sam Hartman, it's one thing to come back to practice, but you've probably got to be – back in conditioning, back to working out, and maybe get your feet under you a little bit before you can play in an actual game. Um, so I, I don't know. Like, I, don't, I just – if this game was in November, I'd feel a lot worse for Florida State. But the, the fact that it's right at the beginning of October, I'm going to just predict that Sam Hartman will not be available in this game. Uh, Florida State will win again. I have no idea. That's just a random prediction for me. 
then you go to NC State, Devin Leary at quarterback, expecting a big year from them. I'm picking them to finish second in the, in, in the Atlantic Division. So uh, ultimately I have NC State winning that game. Then they play the team that I predict to finish first in the Atlantic Division and first in the ACC, that is Clemson. Um, in a very bad year for Clemson last year, they still managed to win 10 games. I expect their defense to be good enough this year to uh, be one of the best in the country. And even if they don't have you know, their quarterback situation fully figured out with DJ Uyagale, I expect Clemson to you know, get 11-plus wins, beat Florida State. Uh, then they play Georgia Tech at home. I think that'll be a win. Uh, Collins, I just – he's not it, man. And I, I, I don't I, – this might be his last season at Georgia Tech. We'll, we'll see. Uh, then they go at Miami and at Syracuse back-to-back weeks in November. Um, Miami, I, I'm not going to say I'm buying into the hype. Um, because I think ranking them at like 12th is a little too high, but I do think this is a team that should be pretty, you know, pretty well established ahead of everyone else in the coastal division. Um, they do play Clemson this year, obviously, and I think they lose that game. They play Notre Dame. I think they lose that game. Uh, and they play Texas A&M, and I think they lose that game. But everywhere else, I think they can go 9-3. and three. They can get a 10-win season. Um, so, yeah, and I think they have a chance against Notre Dame as well. Um, Notre Dame's got a new coach, a new quarterback, dawn of a new era. So um, certainly possible. But, yeah, I'm, I'm buying in the hype a little bit, but I'm not – on the Miami train, so I'm, I'm picking a, a, a win over Florida State. I don't think it's going to be a blowout or anything like that. I think it'll be a pretty good game. Uh, Syracuse next week, uh, picking Florida State to win pretty handily. Um, and then ending the season, you got Louisiana Lafayette picking a win there. And then ending the year, Black Friday home game against Florida. This is the game where I think Florida State wins it. Um, last year, pretty close, 24-21. Now they got Billy Napier at Florida. And I just don't, I don't like how this season sets up for them. I think it's very possible they start the year one and three. It's very possible that by the end of the year, they're a five and six team. They're a six and five team. And for Florida standards and what, what they want to accomplish under, under Billy Napier right away, I don't know if they're going to be super juiced up for this game. Whereas I think if Florida State's sitting there at five and six, six and five, they're like, heck yeah, we're going to a bowl game. Um, we're going to have a winning season, you know? So even without that, even without the, you know, who wants it more uh, thing, I hate when people say that, but without that, um, I think Florida State has the talent to win this game. Seven and five overall is what I'm predicting for Florida State this year. Um, again, a lot, a lot of uh, things where we still have to figure out about this team, but LSU Louisville will be a very, very critical two game stretch for this team. If you can go three games in the schedule and you're two and one, you have a chance to win eight games this year. You go three and zero. Oh, my goodness, you got a chance at 10 wins this year. I don't foresee that happening. But again, based off how you start, this season, this team could really have a belief in themselves and uh, really get rolling. And, and there are some good spots in the schedule and some bad spots in the schedule. I don't like having Wake Forest, NC State, and Clemson back to back to back. Uh, but the fact that Sam Hartman's not playing – and the fact that they could be 2-1 and one to start the year, it puts them in a position where they could be 4-1 and one heading into NC State-Clemson. You lose both of those games, you're still 4-3. and three. You beat Georgia Tech. You beat Syracuse. beat Louisiana Lafayette. Let's just say you, you lose to Miami. You're 7-4 and four heading into Florida. 
so again, a lot of ways to kind of look at that schedule, uh, but I think it plays out to where you've got like four games you for sure went, can win or will win. Duquesne, Boston College, Georgia Tech, Syracuse, and Louisiana Lafayette. So that, that's actually five. Then you got like three games that I, I just don't see it, and that's NC State, Clemson, Miami. So that's eight total. That's, let's say, five and three. And then you got four games that are toss-ups. Uh, and so that's just how I got to seven and five. Five easy ones, three hard ones, four toss-ups. Split the toss-ups in the middle. They're seven and five. That's what I think. Uh, really excited about this season. It's my first at Florida State. Really excited to get this podcast up and running. If you haven't already, subscribe to us. We're going to have a, a weekly podcast uh, during the season. We're going to have big guests. We had Jeff Colhane last week. We had Jared Verse this week. In the next couple weeks, um, I'm not going to tell you who, but we've got some, some guests lined up that, oh my goodness, like I'm actually kind of shocked that we were able to get them on this podcast. And I'm not saying that because this pod, this podcast stinks or anything, but just like I didn't know they'd be down to do a Florida State podcast. So um, I think you guys are going to be really excited. They're the, the kind of guests that I don't think uh, people have around here often. So uh, y'all are gonna y'all are gonna love it. And so just stay tuned and um, keep informed with Florida State football throughout the year. You can follow us at Tallahassee.com. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Noel Sports. I'm at Carter Carls. And that's really all we have for you guys today. So um, with that, really appreciate you guys for listening and see you next time.